So today we come to the letter N, and the N is narrow-minded apostle. And I use this word narrow-minded not in the biblical sense, but in the world sense. Right? When the Bible, when the world looks at us and what we believe, they believe we are narrow-minded. What does that mean to you? What does that mean, narrow-minded? No other way. No other way? Okay. One view. I'm sorry? One view. One view. All right. Selfish. It can be used that way, sure. Someone who will not listen to anything else. Uh, well, there is that term in the negative sense. But in the positive sense, in the biblical sense, it can be a positive as well. Because the Bible tells us that there are two ways. One is broad and one is what? Narrow. narrow. So if you're on the narrow way, you kind of have a tendency to be what? Narrow. Narrow-minded, at least to some degree. If Jesus said, like we just preached, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's a narrow-minded position. And so there are ways to be narrow-minded that don't violate uh, the spirit that God wants us to live in. And I want to show you five narrow-minded statements that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians. And when we get later in the book, we'll look at them in more detail. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says, For I determined not to know anything among you, save or accept Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What What does he mean by that? I determined I wouldn't know anything. I wouldn't talk about anything. I wouldn't discuss anything except one thing when I get together. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's narrow-minded. Even we as Christians, if you get around somebody and all they want to talk about is Jesus, how do you respond? Mm -hmm. I I understand. (laughs) Because sometimes we're like, okay, I I go to church and say, give me a break. You know, what's the weather like? No, it's Jesus, Jesus. Paul said, it's just Jesus. And the word know there is in the aorist tense, which means a point in time. In other words, Paul is saying, I have never known anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's my only purpose of being here. All right? I came to you to give you this information. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And in reality, when we go out into the world, you'll look at most of our conversations that we have. It not really matter. We don't have eternal value. Because it's only when we talk about Jesus Christ and Him crucified that we begin to understand exactly what matters. How many people do you run into in Bilo? I reference that across the street. I know all y'all don't go to Bilo. Some of y'all are Aldi shoppers and some of y'all go to Walmart and then you uppity people go to Publix and uh, things like that. Yeah. So when uh when you go and shop and you talk to people, how often do you ever get to Jesus Christ and him crucified? In relationships at work, how often do you ever get to Jesus Christ and him crucified? There's some guys who were remodeling in my bathroom. And God convicted me because they were in and out of my house for three straight days in my house. And I let two of those days go by without ever even saying what I did for a living. It's just a business arrangement. Notice three eternal souls that God dropped in my lap. Mm -hmm. And I can't just let them walk out with at least mentioning, hey, I go to a church. I work at a church. Do you know Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Do you understand these things? And I had the opportunity to at least talk to one of them in a specific sense, the other two in a general sense, but they're coming back. And I'm going to get them again when they come back. <laughs> All right? I had to wait and let them finish first. I didn't want them messing up my bathroom because they didn't like what I had to say. But I don't ever want them to come in contact with my life and walk away and never, ever know the fact 
that I'm a Christian. Right. I'm a Christian. And I hope God will convict you about that because I know our natural hearts don't like to discuss those things. We don't want to discuss anything awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, when you sit down in the barber's chair, any of you guys ever had a barber tell you things you're not allowed to talk about? I've had barbers tell me that. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. Yeah. Those two things. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because why? Those things are awkward. They're difficult for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I want to be like my dad. You know, back in the day when there were a whole lot of uh, uh, calls that you would get, people trying to sell you stuff. You know, back when you had a landline. How many of y'all remember landlines? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody in there still got a landline? No. Wow. Y'all got one of those things you turn and play records? <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise, yeah. Landlines are, are, are dying, but you know, you get those calls. They always call about lunch, about supper time. You get the phone will start ringing. You remember before there was a new do not call list. They would call you try to sell you something. I heard my dad as a kid over and over would say, hey, hey, hey. As soon as they started, he said, wait, hang on a minute. I'll listen to you. And when you get done, you listen to me. Amen. They'd say, sure, Mr. Brackett, whatever. And they'd launch into their big, long sales pitch. And they get to the end, he'd say, I'm not interested. My turn. Let me tell you something. I was lost and on my way to hell one day and Jesus Christ came and click, you know, almost invariably <laughs> they hang up on him and not keep their side of the bargain. But what was he doing? Jesus Christ, him crucified. Jesus Christ. Just understand that the people who are in your life, God brought them in your life. They work with you because God put you there. And he put you there to be a light in the midst of the darkness. And don't let somebody work with you for years and years and never even realize you're a Christian. Never even hear from you, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. All right? Look at chapter 3, verse 11. <clears throat> For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work, what sort it is. All right? I'm not going to get into all of that. We'll definitely be in chapter 3 for a little while. But I always want you to get this. Paul said there's only one foundation that has any eternal value. What is the one foundation? Jesus, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the one foundation. Now let me talk to you, all of you parents in this room. What is the most essential thing you can impart to your children? Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's the most essential thing. And I, I understand the world we live in. I get it. You want your kids to go to good schools. You want them to get good grades. You want them to play for 40 different sporting teams. I, I, I understand all of that. I do. But sometimes in the mix of all of that running around, we forget that the core foundation is Jesus Christ. It's not just church one hour. One hour on a Sunday for the super faithful two hours and then a one or three hours. And then at home it's just forgotten as we rush about our busy day. No, one foundation. One foundation. And you can't lay a foundation unless you're laying the foundation of Jesus Christ. What does he mean by that? He means if you don't have Jesus, you have no foundation. Right. So, see, I have 14 degrees based upon no foundation. Right. But you don't even know what the truth is. Amen. You don't. Because Jesus is the truth. And if you have all of man's approvals and all the doctorates after your name in the world, you're still not educated. Because you missed step one. That's good. Step one is the foundation Amen. of Jesus Christ. That's what I want my kids to get. Now, I don't mean I want them to be dumb and love Jesus. Right? I want to take the steps to make sure I provide for them. If they just turn out dumb, I can't help it. But I, I do want to give them opportunities to develop socially so they can exist in this world. I want to take those steps. But at the end of the day, if they die homeless on the street, but they know Jesus Christ, I'll still be all right. Because that's the number one foundation. 
Because I'm not necessarily interested in my kids buying a big house on the lake. It'd be nice, you know, to visit them if they live on the lake for sure. Yeah, support me in my old age. My old, in my old age. Now, um, start providing for me, taking care of me. I, I hope for all of those things. But at the end of the day, what I want more than anything? I want there to be at least five kids in heaven. Because the ones God gave me, my responsibility, mine, to lay the right foundation of Jesus Christ in my home. Because I'm standing with me when I stand in front of God is the most important, passionate thing that I can have in this world is get my children to Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm just going to say this. I don't mean to make you mad, but it's easy to see whose kids are here and whose kids are not here from time to time. I know things happen, but it bothers me when a parent doesn't consider it valuable enough to bring their kids to church. Amen. Here once a month, twice a month. Hey, this is like full force on indoctrination, brainwashing. Well, this, are you brainwashing us? Yes, your brain's filthy and needs to be washed. And the Word of God is what does it. Come here and get you some, all right? And your kids need it as well. And so when they come here, I want, to get, I want them to get it. And so, listen, we have church on Sunday morning and we have Sunday school. How many people want to go to church early services walk out? Lots. How many come just at 11? Don't take advantage of this opportunity. How many never come to Bible study on Wednesday night? Never. Never bring their kids. Never. What foundation are they laying? I don't know. But if they know Jesus, they have no foundation. That's narrow-minded. That's what Paul says. It's only one foundation. One foundation. Jesus Christ. Thank God that we know it. Amen. Look at chapter 5. Chapter 5. This, this is going to get a little rough right here, but just bear with me. Chapter 5, verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous extortioners or idolaters. For then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such and one know not to eat. What is he saying? He's saying, specifically, specifically, in your circle of friends in the world, that your closest friends shouldn't be the people who are living wicked. Right. I have to influence them, but they're not my, my buds, not my people, you know. We get together so I can influence them. It says, but when it comes to Christian circles, especially, avoid a brother who is a fornicator. What does that mean? All right, they're being sexually immoral. Can I just put it to you this way? If somebody you know is cheating on their spouse, you ought not be hanging around with them. That's what he says. He says. If you know about it and the spouse doesn't know about it, shame on you. I might hurt my friendship. You don't have a friendship. Not a friendship. He says avoid it. Fornication. All right? All right? So if you know somebody in this church who's committing fornication, raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. No. Don't raise your hand. But if you do know it, the Bible says change friends. Change friends. See, I'm going this way. Amos 3 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? So if you want to walk with me, come on. But if you turn around and go that way, I can't come with you. I'm still going this way. And if you turn around and want to come back with me, I'll welcome you back. But I ain't going with you. I ain't going with you. And I've watched it even at Liberty Church sometimes where marriages split up and 
One is obviously doing wrong and the other's trying to do right and people flock to the one doing wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you just don't have a clue. Exactly. Avoid them. Stay away from them. Well, Brother Dusty, we'll never win them if we... <laughs> we win them by showing them this is the way. And if they want to be one, they go this way. Mm-hmm. They're going this way because they want to go this way. Why do we do what we do? Because we want to. Because right. we want to. And he says avoid them. He doesn't just say fornicators. What else does he say? Covetous, idolaters, railers, drunkards, extortioners. Well, I'm going to take 15 minutes on each one of these words. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. What does covetous mean? How many of y'all want stuff that you don't have? All of you. All of you. It's not just the desire, oh, I'd like to have a truck like that. That's not covetousness. You know, because there's. Shane has a nice truck. I'd like to have a truck like that. <laughs> it is the spirit of. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to have a truck like that. I'm going to get one. Mm-hmm. Makes me mad that Shane has one. Mm-hmm. And so it motivates me. And it is the power behind all of that I do because my values are based on something so temporal. That's a covetous spirit. You know, if you want to feel what covetousness feels like, walk through the mall. Yeah. The mall is geared to covetousness. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it's everywhere. Hey, if you had this, you'd be happy. Oh, you'd be so happy. You'd look so good. You'd be so comfortable. You'd be so cool. Right. You have this. Oh, get by this. Okay, I buy this. I'm not cool. <laughs> I'm not comfortable. I'm not satisfied. What? I, oh, oh, this. This one will do it. This one. Yeah. Yeah, that's why there's 11 iPhones, all right? Because one wasn't good enough. We've got to keep getting better so we can, yeah, keep us, keep us buying, keep us going. Yeah, here it is. That's covetousness. And it's very kin to the next word. What's the next word? Idolatry. What is idolatry? Well, that's bowing down and worshiping an idol. Yeah, that is idolatry, but most of us don't practice it that way. Idolatry is just anything I put before God and what he wants in my life, all right? And for some of us in this room, sometimes our job becomes an idol. Making money becomes an idol. Our looks become an idol. Our kids can become an idol. There's lots of things that can become idols in our life. And the Bible says if you notice someone who's going that way, don't make that your best friend. Don't. Make those who encourage you to do right. Those who motivate you. There's some of you in church I don't like to be around because you convict me. You need to be my friend. Really, because I need that in my life. Right. I need to be reminded of how far I need to go. Because yeah. it's easy to think I'm here, I'm a ride, I'm looking down on everybody. No, long way to go. Not just that, notice the rest of them. What is a railer? Right. All right, someone who loses their temper all the time. Yeah. Anybody know anybody like that? Point them out. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. No. <laughs> Bible says that the strongest man in the world is a man who controls his own spirit. That's the strongest man. And it says if you deliver a man who loses his temper, you're just going to have to do it again. Mm-hmm. And do it again. And do it again. The Bible says be careful about the man who's given to anger. If he illustrates that, stay away from that drama. Amen. Yep. And then the drunkard, what is that? People who drink. That's, that's not what it said. What does it say? People who abuse it. All right. People have different opinions about that. I have Christian friends who drink. I have Christian friends who won't touch it. All right. Fine. Fine. But if you get drunk, then we have a problem. Yeah, I'm not going to hang out with you. you. Okay, huh? When it yeah, when it controls you, I, 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 
I have, I have verses for that. And then he goes on with the extortioner. Those who work systems mm-hmm. manipulate in order to get things they want. Paul says, be careful about those things. Stay, don't make those kinds of people your very best friends, your brothers in church. Avoid them. All right? Is that narrow-minded? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's narrow-minded. I don't like that. I don't like it. That's what he says. Avoid them. Avoid them. So from here on out, some of y'all I'm not going to be speaking to, and I just want you to know why I'm not talking to you. In the beginning passage, he discusses it in the sense of unbelievers, but then he makes it home, especially about those who are saved. Unbelievers, I am supposed to be around them, but my goal is always to win them. Always to win them. Not just to be their their buddy, because we get along. And I know too many Christians who have unsaved best friends. I mean, if they go out, it's with their unsaved friends, not their saved friends. I'm cautious about that. I'm cautious. I want to go out with unsaved people, and uh, but it's always with the goal of, hey, how can I reach these individuals? Yeah, exactly. you, know, you know the old expressions that your grandparents always said. Finish them for me. Birds of a feather. Water seeks. It's on level. All right. Two of y'all know what I'm talking about. All right. Yeah. And who I hang around is an indication where I'm spiritually, where I desire to put myself. But it's a good question. Good point. Fundamentally, in regards to Christian brethren. All right. Chapter 10, verse 20. Start with verse 19. I'll give you the context a little bit and then talk about it. What say I then? That the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that she should have fellowship with devils. All right? Let me explain to you what he's talking about. In the markets of Corinth and around the world during that time, meat for sale, right? And this meat was always offered to some idol before it was sold in the store. And so there was some conflict. Is it all right to meet, eat meat offered to idols? And Paul's attitude was, the idol's nothing. Right. It ain't real. Enjoy the steak, right? <laughs> but if I know Mindy is offended... Because she sees me eating meat offered to idols, then I should never eat meat in front of Mindy. Right. Because I should never offend her. Mm-hmm. Right? That's other people and their reaction to it is what ought to be the motivator behind my decisions. I'll give you this as a point of reference. When I was pastoring a church in Columbia, South Carolina, a guy came to me in my church and he asked me if I wanted to be a member of the Sons of Confederate Veterans. And it's just an organization that you had to have a relative who fought in the Civil War for the South. And I did. I had a second lieutenant so I could be in the military order of stars and bars. And they would get together once a month and they would talk about the battles and the war. Absolutely zero racist rhetoric. It wasn't nothing like that. There were black people, white people, Asian, just because they love talking about the history of it, right. right? At least the branch that I went to. If you go to the branch that meets at the bar on five, y'all are weird. Anyway, so, but he said, Dusty, do you want to join? I said, I, I can't. I can't join. He said, why not? Don't you believe in the values of limited government? And I said, yeah, I do. I do. I said, but... I work for a different kingdom. 
And that kingdom and its testimony cannot be tarnished by people's misconceptions of what I may or may not be because I have a battle flag tattooed in my uh, tattooed on my lapel. And so I don't have any of that. I can't join it. All right? Because I can't walk up to somebody and offend them before I ever even open my mouth because of something I have. All right? Let me just go ahead and tell you, all you white people in this room, sorry, Brad, I'm talking to the rest of them, all right? <laughs> Brad's my friend, and yacht back there, all right? Listen, listen, if you got Confederate flags around your house, shame on you. Amen. Just telling you. Well, those, you just don't know. It's not what it stands for. It's how it's perceived that matters. And I can't offend my weaker brother. So take them stickers off the back of your car. Because when people drive around behind you, you know what they think? They don't think there's someone who, who's for limited government. That's not what they think. They think there's a racist redneck right there. And I'm supposed to be promoting the kingdom of God. That's what I'm supposed to be promoting. So take that stuff off your car. It's over. We lost. All right? It's over. It's over. 150 years ago, it's over. Okay? And I believe in a lot of the principles they fought for. Not slavery, obviously. But I work for a different kingdom. I have a different master. And I'm not promoting Trump. Or anybody else. I'm promoting Jesus Christ. Amen. That's who I'm promoting. Alright? That was all on Mindy. I won't eat steak in front of you. I'm sorry. Got, got all over into that about Confederate balance. I'm going to show you. You can be mad at me if you want to. It's alright. But the, here's the point I want you to get. Alright? He says in verse 20, The things the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to whom? Devils. Devils. Who do they think they're sacrificing to? God. They're God. He says, they're not. They're sacrificing to devils. That's narrow-minded. Because you know what he's saying? There's not 500 different ways to God and you're trying to find your own way. If you're doing something for your God and it's not the God of the Bible, you're really doing it for whom? The devil. Ooh. Ooh. Brother Dusty, that's offensive. Grandmother used to say, if it's not of God, it's of the devil. Well, she's pretty close to that. And he just says all the efforts of those all around the world who are giving their time, efforts, and money to their God, if it's not this God, it's not to God at all. It's to the devil. So I don't like it. I didn't say it. I just read it to you. I'm just a messenger. Narrow-minded. Narrow-minded. It's either of God or it's of the devil. All right, y'all, that, that went over like a bunch of bricks. So let's just move on. Let me just remind you, don't don't be so worried about offending people that you win them to nothing. Amen. You have no position on anything. Just ambivalent, back and forth, just whatever. No, we do have a position to stand upon. There is truth, and it's not subjective. It is objective, and it rests in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes from the Father but by me. And these are things that we can stand upon. We can stand on it with grace, yeah. but I still got to stand. Yeah. yeah, everybody can't be right. Everybody can't be right. All right, one more. Sixteen If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. What that word means? It means let him be cursed. 
If you don't love Jesus, let you be cursed. What does that mean? He's saying you're either with me or you're not. If you're not with me, I don't, I'm not cursing you. God's cursing you. Please don't misunderstand. He's not giving you the right to go around cursing people. You ain't saved, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Look under your seat. No Bible, you're going to hell. No, I don't have that ability. God says, hey, Christ is the way. If you don't go with Christ, you're cursed. You're cursed. Do you understand that? Like the people you meet walking down the road. Why would you be walking down the road? In the store, in your business, your family members. They don't love the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it say? It said, they're cursed. I need to approach them like that. With the kind of desperation that says, hey, there's no foundation but Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him, you don't know him. It's not a hope that you can have apart from him. And if you don't know him, let him be a curse, the Bible says. Let him be a curse. Yeah. Is these narrow-minded things? Oh, and I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the narrow-mindedness of the Bible. Because I do believe that our organization, my organization, I mean independent Baptist, as as I have grown up, lacked on the love side. We were all about the rules. The rules we made up. That you better follow to increase our power. And there's all kinds of abuse of that all across America. God's going to bring it all out. And so I have stepped away from that. Because I don't want to be identified with that anymore. That religion without relationship. Legalism and no love. I'm tired of all that. Tired. Tired of it. All right? I don't care what you're wearing. Just come to church. Just be clothed so you're not a distraction. Come to church. Please. All right? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, and mind. Do these things. All right? Outside of that, it's not my business. We'll be running you around, making sure driving through your neighborhood with my spotlight, making sure you're doing right. I ain't doing it. All right. So, but on the other side, I don't want to go all over here. We just love everybody and there's no rules. There's no consequences. Everybody's going to heaven. Everybody. We're all God's children. Just come together for one big... Big group hug. No, no, there's another side too, and it's let him be accursed. Yeah. Be accursed. And so I take my place in the middle, full of grace and truth. Right. Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. All right. Now let me just give you the T, and I gotta let you go. All right. We'll talk about it next time we're together. The T is the tremendous doctrine in First Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. There's a strong desire among people. We don't like doctrine. We like to be practical. All right. Give me something practical, brother. Dustin. Don't just give me doctrine. But what is practice if it's not built upon the foundation of doctrine? Mm-hmm. All right? Doctrine is the rules. Practice is the way I live based on the rules. Right. If I take away the rules, what practicality do I have in my life? None. All right? How many chapters are in Romans? 16. How many chapters are in 1 Corinthians? 16. Good. Your, your Bible should already been open to that. That was easy. All right? 16. All right? Both of these books, both of these books are the most practical books in the Bible. They give you some down-to-earth stuff about how you live. But both of these books are full of doctrine. Romans is one of the most doctrinal books in the whole Bible. And when we come to 1 Corinthians, we're going to see these doctrines because they're on every page. And I'll just remind you, don't separate the two. got to have the doctrine to give me the practicality to live right in this wicked world that we're in. All right? That's the T. We'll talk about it next time.
Thank you for paying attention to me. Y'all have a good day. See you.